Welcome back into the Short Forest Saloon. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Philip Slavin. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I would just like to apologize for the uh, irregularity of our uh, our podcasting. It's that part of the year where I would love to make sure that we have an episode every week, um, but sometimes things fall through the cracks, and we're sorry. But we're back. Obviously, lots to talk about. Big weekend up ahead uh, for softball couple big weekends still to come for baseball and we've definitely got some basketball news we need to we need to touch on yeah absolutely you want to start with baseball because i think it's been a all right well we'll start there then um the season's just been rocky at this point for the for this team and they're still playing well on the whole i'm not not i'm not going to try and go all doom and gloom with it but this team just hit a point where injuries hit and it's not like a couple here and there to some guys that you can fill in and, you know, there's not much missed. It's four key guys for this team. Uh, Parker Scott, Justin Robleski, Brett Stanley, three of the best pitchers on this team. Two of your weekend starters are all out. Um, I would imagine from what I've heard, Scott and Robleski are done for the year. Stanley's injury doesn't seem to be as serious, but they're still they're trying to let him mend and get healthy for regionals, so I would expect we probably don't see him the rest of the regular season. And then Nolan McClain, star freshman that's pitched and done well uh, overall, been one of the best freshmen in the Big 12 outside of Chase Young. Hey, he's done for the year as well, from what I know. So losing these guys... It sucks, and it puts a ceiling, a really hard ceiling, on where this team is gonna gonna go. And that's not, I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom about it, but it's just the reality. No team can take on that kind of attrition to key players and key positions and still succeed and still go far into regionals. I think that the fact that Oklahoma State can still get to regionals at this point, all you know, that's about where that's about the ceiling of where this team is at. And with all those guys still healthy, the ceiling's a hell of a lot higher, but it's just not at this point. Yeah, look, I get that people are frustrated. I've seen it in some message boards. You see it on Twitter. People are frustrated with this team, and they're not taking into – I don't think the injuries have been really publicized. So I think the casual fan who doesn't follow the team and know the names of players and is not recognizing, hey, where are where are these guys in the lineup? don't realize, well, that's why you lost two of three against Oklahoma. That's why they've struggled down the stretch here. Uh, It's because of injuries. And it's the worst time of the year to get them. Um, And it's happening. It's a whole lot to (laughs) your pitching staff, which is, has some depth, but not, no, no pitching staff has that kind of depth to it to just overcome all of that. So, I mean, it stinks. Um, They're not going to probably host a regional, but uh, they still have a lot to play for these next two weeks. They got six games left in the regular season before the Big 12 tournament, and there's six really big games. Um, I've, I've talked with the boys over at College Baseball Nation pretty regularly, just keeping tabs on things. Every projection I've seen from regionals has both Oklahoma State and Baylor in. Um, it looks like the Big 12 can get five teams in, but OSU's on the edge there. This weekend series with Baylor, to me, is is huge. 
right? It's a home series for one, but Oklahoma State's 10 and 11 in conference play. They, they really need to try and win this series. You go two and one, you'll finish 12 and 12 in conference play. That's fine. A game behind, I just, you, let me put it this way. Don't get swept. And folks, this is not a bad Baylor team. They're 29-14 overall. They're 99 in conference play. It's a solid Baylor team. They're playing some of their best baseball right now, which is when you want to, and they're going up against an Oklahoma State team who is struggling. Try and win this series. Obviously try, but I think if they can at least, don't get swept. That's bad. It's bad, 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 bad. You know, I agree with you. And this this team isn't going to get swept because their best pit is you lose Robleski, you lose Scott. That sucks. Uh, their best pitcher is still going for them. That's Justin Campbell. And I want to hit mainly the the main point from that series against Kansas. There's two main things. And one, the bat, you scored 13 runs on Friday, and then you scored 19 runs on Saturday, Friday and Saturday. And Kansas is bad, like a special kind of bad. But when you score that much, doesn't matter who you're playing. That's a, a vote of confidence. You know, that's, that's some confidence. Hitting is a very contagious thing. And to be able to put up the sort of runs in the offense that they did in that series – that's going to help them move forward. They were struggling there for a consistent period of time for at least a couple of weeks, stringing hits together. That kind of stuff lends itself to success. Saw that on Tuesday night uh, in Bedlam as well in Tulsa. But Justin Campbell goes out and he threw a no-hitter on Saturday. If you didn't see, he got a ton of national accolades as player of the week, performance of the week, game of the week, all that stuff. Because it was one of the most dominant pitching performances of the season. It's up there with Jack Leiter's no hitter a few weeks, uh, you know, a couple of months ago uh, against, I believe it was South Carolina. He got 11 strikeouts, no hits, one batter over the minimum, one walk. I think the most important thing here, he did it in 98 pitches. For any college pitcher to throw a complete game shutout or a complete game in general under 100 pitches, is almost unheard of. I think Jack Leiter threw almost 120 in his no-hitter. It was, he did it with efficiency, he did it with precision, and it was just flat-out dominant. And he's going to, this is, an, you, we have an all-American pitcher on staff right now, a guy that's probably going to end up being the national two-way player of the year as well, because he can, he can roll the pole a little bit as well. That was awesome to see. Uh, for a guy that really needed, he, I think he had a couple of rough outings, uh, you know, a couple of weekends in a row that were very uncharacteristic for him. To go out and shove like he did against Kansas was awesome to see. I believe it was the first nine inning no hitter for an individual player since like the '60s, mid '60s, ninth in program history. Good, awesome, awesome stuff. I, I love, I love keeping up with that. The other day, you tried to jinx it in the sixth inning, but it still happened. It's in the record books. We're good to go. I don't think it counts if I don't know the rules about that kind of stuff. Now, okay, that is fair. So, I, so admittedly, <laughs> I was not watching. I was on the golf course with my dad, and I saw in like the fifth inning, oh, every, every couple innings, Oklahoma State Baseball posts the box score of you know runs, hits, errors, and all that of through five in Lawrence. And I saw all zeros for, for Kansas, and I went, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on this. But I wasn't going to tune in and watch because – I already wasn't watching. What was happening was happening, so I was just going to let it roll. And I'm just going to keep up with the updates, just like I've been doing to keep, you know, keep up with it. I'm very superstitious when it comes to no when it comes to no hitters and perfect games. And 
it's the sixth inning. I see we're heading to the seventh in Lawrence. It's still 15 nothing or whatever. And Philip texts me, we're in the sixth and Kansas doesn't have a hit yet. I'm like, oh, you don't talk about it. You don't talk about it. You don't talk about the no hitter. You don't talk about the perfect game until it's over. Until it's either broken or the game is over. <laughs> so it just made me chuckle. I know you didn't know, but you just, you don't run the risk of the jinx. You just, you don't run the risk of it. All right. All right. Well, now I now I am educated, so I feel better. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, this team's going to get to a regional. Um, I've seen projections all over the place. I think they should be in a regional. I don't know if they get beyond that. And I think this year, with everything that's going on, anything beyond that is is house money. And I think that's okay. Um, I just I think it is. I think that's okay. For sure. And one last point uh, that we're recording this on Wednesday, Tuesday night. Oklahoma State beat OU 7-3 to in Bedlam. Takes three of five from the Bedlam series. Yes, it does matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did it in Tulsa neutral site. And they did it in a, with a bullpen game. They had to. They didn't have, they don't, that's how depleted Oklahoma State is at this point. They don't have a true weekday start. So you get two innings out of Trevor Martin, who's a true freshman, been really good this year. And then Noah Seifert, who has been a – Defensive replacement or pinch runner, fourth, fifth outfielder type for this team this year. I think he only has like eight plate appearances maybe on the whole year. Uh, he, he's just been exclusively defensive replacement or pinch run. Who he has not pitched in a game for Oklahoma State. Technically, he's designated as a two-way guy. Since, 20, since like April of 2019, I think it was some bogus non-conference game. They just threw him to see what happens. And he ended up being the Costco guy in this bullpen game. And throw, goes three innings with five strikeouts. He's, he's the bulk guy. Uh, it was three innings and five strikeouts for a guy that has not thrown in a true game other than probably inner squad in over two years <laughs> to get that kind of production out of the guy. That's, that's a huge deal and a ton of credit to him for putting the team on his back in that area. They really needed it. They needed innings out of him. So they don't have to go too far into the bullpen that was already taxed from the Sunday game. And we had a position player pitching, too, Houston Morrill, who, judging by the mechanics and the sink he got on his fastball, he's thrown – he's pitched in the past, but is not designated as such for Oklahoma State. He's just shortstop. And then he goes out only, you know, carrying mid-90s, you know, low to mid-90s with a little sink and strikes out the first battery faces in college. Gives you, gets you only uh, – gave up a home run the next batter. It doesn't matter. He struck out the first battery face as a position player. Good stuff. But – to get that kind of to go to a bullpen game and use two guys that have really never pitched it is awesome like that that's the kind of feel good stuff that this team needs and that's the kind of stuff that helps carry momentum into a weekend and to do it against OU as well is huge Three two. I don't believe Josh Holiday has lost a series to Oklahoma the season series to Oklahoma since he got Stiller I go double that's a big deal I don't I don't think he has I don't think he has um Okay, we've got baseball. Baylor's this weekend, three-game series. They need to win two out of three. Uh, Full capacity to O'Brate. So if you haven't been yet or you just want to go see what it's like at full capacity, good time to go. Uh, Let's move over to softball. We've got to talk softball. We've got a lot to talk about with softball. Tons to talk about softball. We will get to that on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Philip, it's time to talk a little softball. This team is a ton of fun to watch. I was at the game on Friday for Bedlam when they won. Oh, man, now that was a ton of fun. My, my dad came into town. He was moving my sister out uh, for the semester. So he, he texted me on Monday and said, hey, we, we're going to the softball game on Monday, on Friday night. All right, all right, let's do it. And standing, we were standing room only. It was pretty packed for, I think this was, this was before they announced full capacity. But it was about as close as you possibly could get to that, especially if you looked out in the, the out bluff center field, uh, the decks out there, which is really, really cool. Oklahoma State won that game on Friday, 6-4. to four. For those that don't know, or you haven't paid that close of attention, this was Kenny Gajewski's first win against OU. And this was Oklahoma State's first win against Oklahoma since 2000, April of 2011. They lost 24 consecutive games to Oklahoma. And for those that also maybe don't know, Oklahoma is like Alabama football or something like it. They are otherworldly good. National championships year, you know, very consistently. Women's College World Series, you can pretty much pencil them in every year. This is a big deal. And not only that, but Oklahoma State, they, they lost on Saturday and Sunday. Oklahoma eventually won the Big 12 title by winning two or three. But Oklahoma State played them better than anyone else did in the country three times in a row. They held Oklahoma to a season-low four runs on that Friday game. And then they lost, I believe it was 7-5 to five and 11-8. to eight. They never were out of the game by any stretch. The the game, you know, Oklahoma would take a decent lead. Oklahoma would just claw back and claw back, and they made it close the entire way. It's remarkable where this team is at. Yeah. They were saying, and they were talking about it, you know, used to, oh, you would walk in, and it was, oh, it's Oklahoma. It's like playing Alabama or Clemson in football. There's just, there's an awe to it. And Oklahoma State's reached a point where they don't, they don't view them that way anymore, as they shouldn't, but they don't, they don't view them anymore that, anymore. So to get that win Friday was such a big deal. It really, 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 really is. Like, I, I can't overstate how big a deal that was to show how much closer these two programs are than they've ever been. Now understand this. Oklahoma, no team who played Oklahoma – more than once didn't get run ruled at least once no other team in the big 12 there's only seven teams but no one else in the big 12 not even texas who finished third okay is a is an arguably top 10 team not even texas took them a full 21 innings no one did the only other team to beat them georgia beat them in a in a weird i think it was like eight inning game and then the next game oh you run ruled them just, just curb stomp them. Even on Sunday, when OU got up big, Oklahoma State responded. It tells you so much based off an understanding of how good Oklahoma is. Oklahoma, since that 2011, we're talking 2011, since 2011, Oklahoma has won the national championship three times and finished runner-up twice. For Oklahoma State to get the win, 
to challenge Oklahoma as well as they did, to play them as well as they did. And look, Sunday, Sunday stings just because Carrie Everly was awesome again and the defense just kind of failed her. But I, I, it, it tells you what Kenny Gajewski has done with his program and, and what their trajectory is. Now, the next step is a hard one. The next step is the hardest step. You can get to being this level, and he has done that. We'll be interested to see if he can take that next step and get them to beating Oklahoma, winning Big 12s, playing for national championships. That's a, that's a very difficult step to take. It is. It's that, I don't think there's a bigger, a more difficult step in sports than going from being really good to being great. You can go from bad to good. You can go from good to pretty good to really good. Take that from really good to great is incredibly difficult. I think it's the most difficult step because it's so hard to get right. So he's got them here, and that's huge. Um, and, and they were, look, these are the top two teams in the conference by a lot. That was reflected in the Big 12 postseason awards for Suffolk that came out on Wednesday. Yes. Uh, Carrie Everly, unanimous Big 12 pitcher of the year, unanimous pick. Uh, she was a first-teamer along with Haley Busby, Kelly Maxwell, and Kylie Naomi. We also had three second-teamers with Chelsea Alexander, Cheyenne Factor, and Allison Fibri. Like This team has been fantastic. Like They just they are, and I'm very Kylie excited. Naomi this team is going to host a region. Yeah. Kylie Naomi has some swagger to her. She was a ton mm. of fun to watch play. Yeah. Uh, so the, Big 12, the, the softball tournaments this weekend starts Friday. It's Friday and Saturday. Uh, Oklahoma State's in the Pool B with Texas and Iowa State. Uh, they, uh, their first game is 11 on Friday against Texas. That game's on ESPNU. Their second game on Friday will be at 5 o'clock against Iowa State. That game will be on ESPN or well, Big 12 now, which is ESPN+. And um, they go 2-0. They're going to play probably Oklahoma again for another opportunity to knock them off, this time for a Big 12 tournament title. So you get one more shot at them. I would expect Kerry Eberle to pitch in that game. Uh, maybe. I hope so. Uh, because It's so different with softball because they can throw back-to-back days like it's nothing. So yeah. it's not like you're really having to think about your rotation like in baseball where like in the Big 12 tournament, you're not going to see Justin Campbell until like the second or third day because you're trying to save him for that big game. You can like Eberle can throw game one and then probably yeah. throw game two the next day with no issue. Uh, plus, you know, there'll be a buffer between 11 a.m. on Friday and three o'clock on Saturday. Right. So we'll, we'll see. They got to get past Texas. They did that three times already. But, you know, this is an Oklahoma State team that they've got some weird losses. I mean, your, your only other conference loss was the opener to Kansas. Kansas is the worst team in the Big 12 this year. Uh, you, you've lost twice to Wichita State. They're not great. Um, speaking of which, uh, they've got uh, most of their losses. If you go actually go look at the teams that they lost to, you're like, how did they lose to? Um, Houston. Houston's, Houston's pretty good this year. They are. How did they lose to Louisiana? Louisiana's pretty good this year. How did they lose to Kansas City? I don't know. They're not very good this year. Um, but those are the projections. I like to see postseason projections. You know, D1 baseball, D1 softball puts theirs out. Oklahoma State is probably going to be a top eight seed, a national seed hosting, which means a host regional and super regional. Problem I have right now is you look at what they project. OSU with two seed Wichita State. So it is just, yeah. Let's not have a lot of errors. Yeah. I, I, am, I, I am excited. I am excited uh, for the Big 12 tournament this weekend. I'm excited for postseason play. Like, it's, it's going to be so much fun. It really is. 
I, I do want to run one thing by real quick. I was thinking about this the other day. And friend of the pod, Brian Metcalf, tweeted about regarding Mike Holder, uh, who was some of his who were some of his best head coaching hires across all sports. And I think he, he was trying to get us and others to talk about it. So I'll, I'll shout him out here because I know he's going to listen to this. But where do you think Kenny Gajewski ranks among Mike Holder head coaching hires? He's got to be near the top, if not number one. This is a postseason podcast topic if I have ever heard one. Like, but I don't we're going to have to sit down and yeah. rank them. I think we're yeah. gonna, he's, at the t- he's, he's near the top. I mean, I don't think there's yeah. any argument he's near the top. If you want me to say where he ranks as, as far as one, two, three, or five, until I sit down and go through all the hires he made from 2005 until now, I'm going to have to go sit down and rank them because there's, there's quite a few that are going to fall in. And I don't remember, again, he didn't, he didn't hire Gundy. Gundy was hired before he took over. Right. Um, I can't remember if he hired the cross-country coach or not. I've looked at this before. It's been a, it's been a few years since I did because um, I was writing about his impact for Oklahoma State and some of the hires he made. And he's really knocked, I mean, most of the hires out of the park. Um, I'm going to have to go through and rank him because there's uh, – Gajewski's up there. Holiday's up there. Um, Bratton winning a national champion. Bratton yeah. winning a national championship is up there. Oh, yeah. Um, Boynton is a good hire. But yeah. I would put I, – if, if, if he is the one who hired the cross-country coach, which I remember correctly um, – he he's that one goes up there because he's won multiple mm-hmm. national championships. So I, right. I need to go through and put his list together. That'll be a really fun. That's going to be a really fun off season podcast. And I think we should, cause his last holders last day as AD is when um, I think it's, I think, I think Weiberg takes over on July 1st. I think. So that's a really good, I think that's a good pod for like end of June, somewhere in June. We're going to do that. That is absolutely a podcast we're going to do is ranking all his hires. I like that idea. Yeah. I would say the first person that came to mind was Gajewski for me. And I think obviously when you think about the weekend that Cowgirls softball had, uh, it's hard not to have that little bit of recency bias in my mind. But I don't think it's that far off either like at all. And he'll I did be, think he'll be really top cool. five. Yes. He'll be top five. And I do think it was really cool. And I didn't know he was there. I didn't see him. But Coach Boynton was at the softball game on Friday. First person to hug Kenny Gajewski when the final out was recorded was Mike Boynton. That's awesome. Like that, again, how can you not, how can you not like Mike Boynton? There's that. Segway into basketball here. I kinda, I'm, I'm getting better at this podcasting thing uh, <laughs> after three-plus years. Uh, there, we got some possible big basketball news coming up here. You'll, see, you'll hear this Thursday morning. So by Thursday around lunchtime, we should know about another possible addition to the basketball team. You, you want me to take over or you want to do this? You, go for it, man. Okay. Um, so it all kind of started on Monday. Um, Mike uh, Boynton tweeted something out. I'm going to pull this tweet up. I'm going to this now. I'm going to be a bad podcaster. So give me a second while I pull this tweet up. No, don't go to some guy I don't want to look at. Um, there's a tweet from Larry Reese about Eddie Sutton Week and Mike Boynton. Quote tweeted it. Still humbled to have been in his presence. What a man! I look forward to celebrating a long overdue recognition. Uh, that won't be the only great thing to happen to OSU men's basketball this week. Eyeball emoji, thinking emoji. Uh, and that got everybody turning and excited and curious, Who, who's coming? Who's going to commit this week? 
Well, the two names we know who are most connected to Oklahoma State in the transfer portal, because that's, that's, the, that's where most of the work being done right now is in the portal. Two names we know the, the best are uh, Sevier Wheeler out of uh, Georgia. And, of course, Bryce Thompson from Kansas, who we all know, um, one of the highest-rated players out of the state of Oklahoma in the last decade. Um, it just so happens that Thompson has announced, he announced on his Instagram and on Twitter on Wednesday that he would, an, he would decide and announce his decision as where he was going to transfer to on Thursday at noon. Final three of Oklahoma State, Tulsa, and, and Oklahoma. All the early buzz when, when Thompson first announced he was going to transfer, it sounded like Tulsa, everybody was so sure he's going to Tulsa, he's going to Tulsa, he's going. I don't know where all these Tulsa people got that he was going to Tulsa, but they were all just dead sure, probably because his dad played for Tulsa, so that's, that's the thing. He went to Kansas because his dad played for Bill Young. Bill Young? Why am I? Not Bill, Bill Self? Young. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Not former defensive coordinator Bill Young. Bill Self. Forgive me. Um, I... I don't know things for sure, but I'm pretty sure we can all pretty much do math and connect the dots and come away with the idea that Bryce Thompson is probably going to be an Oklahoma State Cowboy by noon, well, officially by noon on, on Thursday. So that's, that's a huge it's a huge ad for Oklahoma State. If that is what is going to happen, I think it probably is. I think we all feel pretty comfortable in guessing that. If it's not, I think we'd all be pretty surprised and really want to know, like, okay, then, then, then what is coming? Um, it's a big get. I know his, his freshman season was a little bit underwhelming, and so some of the, the shine has kind of come off of Bryce. But I, this is a perfect situation for him to come into at Oklahoma State. With everything coming back, a lot is not going to have to be put on his shoulders, and he's going to have a year to develop and grow and improve and then be set up for success 2022, 2023. That, that's my view. Um, we can talk more about it, obviously, once we know for sure. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far and then find out, no, it's actually, we're getting brand new uniforms. Like, I, I'm, I'm kidding, but we'll, we'll count our chickens once they're hatched. Yes, I don't want to put the cart before the horse too much when it comes to... How many other, how many other uh, cliches can we use here? Right, yeah, right. I had that one in my head right before he said it. I was like, damn it, he took something. Um, but no, I, I don't want to think about it too much before it act, and talk about it too much before we know for sure. But it seems like all signs are pointing that Bryce Thompson is going to come to Oklahoma State. The backcourt is just going to be loaded next year if that is the case. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. Hopefully, you know, and we'll talk more about it next week once things are confirmed with either him or Severe Wheeler, whoever it ends up being. Uh, Philip, do you have any final thoughts here for this episode? Uh, the women's golf team finished third in the Stanford Regional and is advancing to the NCAA championship. They're one of three Big 12 teams joining Baylor and Texas. This is the uh, 22nd appearance by the Cowgirls in the, NCAA, in the championship among the 24 teams that are going there. Uh, and this is... Um, Oh, now I'm I'm a terrible person because I just is Greg Robertson is the new women's golf coach. This is his second year in charge of the program. Um, year two, he's taken over the tournament, so it's a, it's a big deal for them. Yeah, absolutely, be ton of fun to follow there as well. Uh, I'm going to get sad for just a second, but. As Oklahoma State family, we, we lost one of our own yesterday. Uh, wanted to send our heartfelt condolences to the Stewin family. Uh, Forrest Stewin, if you didn't know, former Oklahoma State basketball player, 
was an assistant with Travis Ford at St. Louis University since he left. He uh, was one of the up-and-coming coaches, uh, assistant coaches in all of college basketball. Uh, sadly passed away at the age of 29. Uh, just devastating. It was a gut punch when I saw that news come across yesterday. Uh, hopefully, you know, praying for his family and hope they can find some sort of peace here. Uh, just sucks. Like, there's, no other, there's no other way to describe it. Agreed. Agreed. I don't, I don't have anything else to add to that other than just like uh, these one kid and, and a pregnant wife, the pregnant wife part. I read that part. And it's just, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I can't imagine what they're going through. I, I can't. Uh, and, I, and, and trying to hurt. Um, I, I am, I am not too manly to admit that I, I, I got a little teary eyed just, thinking about it and I, it just, it sucks. I don't know. I, I wish I was more eloquent about this, but it sucks a lot. It really does. Yeah. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. Again, our, our heartfelt condolences to the student family and you know, good ride cowboy is as much as I can possibly say. Um, sorry to end on that note, but it needed to be said. Uh, we will talk to you all next week with Hopefully more softball, baseball news, and hopefully Bryce Thompson. Who knows? But uh, go Pokes, and talk to you all later.